right, so we're already into episode 7 of 2023, and um, last week I gave you a little teaser about what we're going to talk about today, and um, I like it when I get questions. They kind of challenge me a little bit and allows me to, to dig into something and, and to look at it and and uh, I like to be able, this, you know, one of the best parts about this job is being able to, to share what God gives me with all of y'all and hopefully that it makes a difference and we can use that in our everyday lives. And so this younger generation that's always questioning everything, they said, how do you know what is the right religion to follow? And that is a very intelligent question and something that we need to, to know because there is countless different religions and we can look at it on a, a, a broader spectrum that are things that are totally and completely unrelated we look at the different things that's been formed from different people that's in direct contrast with Christianity as we know it and then as we even narrow that down and we look at, at Christianity and we look at all the different denominations. And we can further complicate it by looking at all of the different variations of God's Word. And this fit really good in what we've been talking about over the past few weeks about purpose. And in the past, we've talked about numerous, numerous times about using the Word of God as your filter for the world. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it states, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word has always been a continual presence with God. And it should be with each and every one of us. So we go back to, to purpose and we look at things that we know to be true of God. And we can... Take these things and use that to quickly eliminate some of the questions or some of the inquiries that we might have about is something good, is something for God, is something along, aligned with Him, or is it something totally and completely different? Now, one of our, our basis is when it comes to Christianity is Jesus. He is, is our, our core around that. He is our Savior. We are covered by His blood. He made the ultimate sacrifice. 
And we can look not only in our modern day word, our nice leather bound editions, but if we go back deep into history and we look at the original documents, we look at what's written on the scrolls, what's been obtained from history, we see these things predate Jesus. And they show all of the prophecies that were made that can be physically read and seen before Jesus was ever born. And then we see him come into this world and fulfill each and every one of those prophecies. That, my friends, is God's work. Him telling us what to happen and it coming to take place. The difference between Jesus and every other person that's tried to make their mark on history is that when every other person spoke their peace, did their thing, and they died, they stayed there. We can go to their final resting spots if you were to dig it up, you'll find their remnants there. And that's the one thing different about Jesus. You go to his tomb and it is empty because he was resurrected. He made his presence known afterwards and he ascended. And he now sits in heaven alongside God. So we can eliminate anyone that is not Jesus. And you wonder how we get so many different variations. How things has grew so much. And you know, if you, you study some of these different religions, you will see similarities in it. For instance, that most have some sort of story about a great flood. And there's elements that's been borrowed and still shine through, even though on the surface that many things have been been changed. We look back to our multiple denominations. You know, we should have one. We should have just the, the followers of Jesus. That's what it should have been in the beginning. It should have been, we are followers of God. 
And when Jesus came and He was setting the record straight and He was doing His ministry, it should have been that we all latched on to that. We should have been one-minded, having that one body of Christ. But the problem is that we are are human. So as being human, we're going to take on some of them human traits and we are going to deviate from God as we've seen happen many, many times. And we're going to have our own agendas, our own things we want to accomplish. We can ride up and down the roads and we see church after church. There's one in every area. There's almost as many of them as they are Dollar General's. And it would be great if the reason was that we kept filling them up and had to build new ones. But that's not the case. And frankly, it's never been. The reason why we have so many is, is because of division. God wants to unify. Satan wants to divide. So when we can't see eye to eye, when we can't get our way, when we don't like change, when we don't like how others think, what do we do? We branch off and start something new. And that's been the case over the millennia. We have people that keep going their own way to do their own thing. And through all of that, we lose the vision of God. The act itself is not in the vision of God. We're supposed to be drawing people to Him. And instead, we are trying to draw people that think the way we want to think and act and do the way we want to do. There's all kinds, all versions of the Word of God. And this is another thing that's been changed. And in our modern times, when our morals are under attack and we're trying to justify things that need not to be justified because they go against God, we try to use these variations to prove our point. It's difficult when things move from language to language. Sometimes things get lost or misunderstood. But the thing that doesn't change is God's purpose. And what he is telling us. And what we have to be careful is, is that 
we try to make things easier. So we change up the wording. I want to look at an example of that. I'm in the King James. And I enjoy that. I feel that it's very close to the originality of the original manuscripts. I've even did some back and forth using some word changing and be able to to see what it said in, in the originality and what has been translated to now to, to test and to see how much has actually been, been lost in this translation. And many times as we go forward, we'll see a change of words because it just sounds better to our ears. Now, as I stand up here and I talk to you, and oftentimes I read from this word, I have difficulties with it. The words sometimes are hard to, they don't roll off the tongue. So we've tried to, to change that in a way that is easier for us to, to speak out loud, for us to read and comprehend. But what do we lose during that process? Isaiah 40, 30, 31, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, they will mount up with wings of eagles, shall run and, be, and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Now, if you look at some other versions of this, that word wait has been replaced with the word hope. Now, we like that word hope because it, it makes us feel good because it's a, hope is a, a, a positive thing. But the problem with hope is, is the definition of it. See, hope is that you are, in a sense, wishing for something. I hope the check comes in the mail. I hope my kids get into college. But the problem is with that, when we use the word hope, we're giving that since that it could or it also could not happen. We want it to happen, but it may not. So that's why this word wait is so important. Those that wait upon the Lord. Because what do we do when we wait? We're there with what purpose? Because we know that as we wait, we are going to get to that end result. We sit in the waiting room at the doctor's office. And we sit there and we wait and we read the magazines and we stare at the pictures on the wall. We watch the... The TV show that no matter how many times you've been in there, it seems like it's always playing the same one. But we know that after we get done waiting, we're going to get the results that we are there for, which is to see 
the doctor. We wait in line because we know once we get to the end of that line, we're going to be able to talk to that person, purchase that item, whatever it is there at the end of that line. We never stand in a line and hope that we're going to get to that accomplishment at the end. In fact, if we didn't, if the nurse never came out and got you, we would be complaining. We'd be going up to the front desk and said, hey, my appointment was at this time. No one's ever came to get me. I have been waiting because we expect it. And so many times in life, the world has made these small, minute changes that allow us to give God outs, to give us ways that it may not happen. And over time, we believe that to be okay. We believe that to be normal. We have a big problem as being human is that we don't study the Word of God. We don't question anything. If it sounds good, it looks good, it feels good, we go for it. So the first step is to find you a good study Bible. So you can get this information that you need. This is going to be our filter that we are going to filter everything through with life. So I'm sorry, the little story edition that makes it read like a novel, that's not going to work because we can't go to where we need to go. We can't find what we need to find when the time comes to be able to, to get the information that we need. The Word of God is a reference book. It is full of information. It's not entertainment. It's not a novel. We don't need... Any kind of expanded version that's added stuff to it. Because first of all, the word says not to do that. And I get a little cringy when I hear people teaching and using an amplified that's added a bunch of stuff that doesn't need to be there. God's given us everything that we need. There's also versions that have taken stuff away that there are... You can put them side by side and see where verses have been taken out for whatever reason. And of course, the word changes that we've already talked about. And we can look at that. And when we see something like that, we should should question it. Those that... You read that, those that hope upon the Lord. You should, you should automatically say, whoa, wait a second. Hope means that it may or may not happen, but my God does not function that way. My God is yes and amen. And especially if we're looking at what we are, are asking for. 
We are asking to be healed. We're asking to be made whole. We're asking for things that the Word has already showed us God has done for others. And if He does it for one, He will do it for everyone. He doesn't pick and choose. See, these are things we need to know about the character of God. So these things jump out at us. We should be able to See these things like the deer in the headlights when they jump out in front of you. It should be blatant that we need to slam on brakes and we need to swerve because something isn't right. God isn't a will he or won't he. God is yes. And if it's something that we know is a yes, there should be no question about it. We should not be Hoping for God, we should be waiting on God. Because that's how it works. We ask and we wait for His response. He doesn't ignore us, He doesn't forsake us. Our biggest problem is that He always doesn't work in our time frame. That's where we give up too quick. And that's why that word wait is so important. Because we want that instant miracle. We want to stop feeling right now. That's what we're all driven for. God wants us to live in peace no matter what our circumstances are. But circumstances come and they, they rattle us, they upset us, and we start to get fear and anxiety and doubt and all these human feelings. And then we start hoping that they can get better instead of waiting, knowing that they will. So we need to know what God has for us. We need to understand God's character. We need to know who he is and what our part is in the situation. How many times is... Things not working out. We feel like God's not hearing us. God's not doing us. And yet, we're not doing anything ourselves. You get that question sometimes. It feels like God's not hearing me. It feels like God's not doing anything. What am I doing wrong? Well, the first question is, what exactly are you doing because a lot of times we get the mentality that we're, God's just going to sweep in and take care of the whole entire situation without none of anything being on us. That we're not have to even be a part of it. And we see that time and time again that God is part of the situation, but he's not the whole situation. That we have to do our part. Or he sends someone in to help with the process. Moses, for example. He uses people. And if we want to get a little bit deeper... In 
and to the study. See, we, we can start there. You know, that's a good jumping off point. Okay, we see God does this over and over again. This is a pattern for God. This is something that God does. God uses people. God uses us. God helps us. But God doesn't typically eliminate whatever we're feeling and the situation. He helps us through it. And we know that the reason is because as God helps us through it, as we wait upon him, we build faith. We build a relationship with him. We can further keep going. This is what's so great about the word of God. We can keep getting deeper and deeper and deeper and we just see it more and more layers revealed. We know that there is a, a situation that God gives us free will and he gives us dominion over certain things that God created the heavens and the earth and he gave the, the, the earth to man to have dominion over it. And just like in the real world, when someone gives you something, you have the total authority over that and they no longer have that authority. Even if they may have ownership, the person in possession of it, they have the lawful possession of something. We use the example of a, of a landlord and a renter. The landlord may own the house, but the renter has the authority to be there and to use it without the landlord's dominion over it. He can't just come in. There's rules that have to be in place. And God has set rules in place and he doesn't violate his own rules. So man comes along and he turns dominion of the world over to Satan. So now Satan has authority to run amok. God still can't step in because Satan is an invited house guest in this rental home. But, but, when we, when we allow God to work in our lives, we give him the authority, we open the door and invite him in, he can come in and he can do what he needs to do to help us along. But you see, we have to have that connection. He has to, to be there with us. Who else can, can do that for you? Can you pray to Buddha? Is he going to, to come and help? Or can he give you some antidotes for life? From a book because he's dead. He's no longer in contact. We can't have no access to him. So it has to be with our God through Jesus that is the only one that is alive, a well, and is doing his part for us. So we know we follow the word. We follow God through Jesus. And then we have to look at, at other elements. I hate to call anyone out, but I'm going to have to because 
the Catholic Church is a problem in which they tend to inject too much man into it. Jesus was a sacrifice so we can have direct contact with God. We don't need any priests, bishops, Pharisees. We don't have to build an altar. We don't have to make a sacrifice. All of that is done because Jesus made his sacrifice. So we can come to God all by ourselves in any condition. And he is going to hear us and help us. And anything that says anything different is false. We don't pray to saints. We don't pay, pray to figureheads. We don't need any kind of special accessories. No mats, no beads, no none of that. All we need, we don't even need a special location. We don't need an altar. All we need is to be able to, to speak, to talk to God, just like I'm talking to you today. Many people have fell away from God, from church, from religion in general, because man has put such unrealistic and quite frankly ungodly ideas upon what church, what religion should look like. For many, they never get a chance to get started because for many of us, what we do, we turn to God in the final moments. We turn to God when we've tried everything else. When we've hit rock bottom and we've done everything we can do in our power, then we turn to God. So we come, we come dragging in, we are beat, we are broken, and we don't look like much of anything. And the church is supposed to be the hospital for sinners. A place to come to get help, to get healed, to get restored, to find God, to build that connection. And what do we do? We get blasted because we don't look right, we don't act right, and we're, we don't fit the mold that the church has already built. So many people that sit in pews today have that mentality that... We have to already be built up. And I've heard so many people say that I'm in no condition to go to church. I'm, I'm too bad. I'm too ragged. And my friends, that's when you need to be there the most. That's when you need to be there the most. It's not a, a social hour. It's not a, a status Symbol. It's not for entertainment. And anything that says otherwise is false. They put all these rules and restrictions 
And they're quite frankly undoable. We are all sinners. No matter what our walk in life is, no matter where we're at with God, we are going to sin. We can't help it. No, not one is righteous. No, not one. That's why we all need Jesus. There are so many of us that's deemed ourselves righteous and above all. And they make these rules and, and regulations in the name of making people rise up and try to make them like them. And in reality, it's not even what God wants from us. We fail to see his purpose. We see the, the fundamentals. We see what's on the surface. We see what looks good. We're more concerned about form over function. We don't have battles over saving souls. It'd be interesting if we had the, the history of, of, of all these churches. Of course, we always get the, the cute little history and we're about how things are, but what about all the downsides, the division, and what really Really caused it. I've been around long enough to see a few things, and it's little things. It's opinion. See, we fail to see that opinion is like that word hope. Except it's got a lot less impact. Because opinion... It's simply what you think. And it doesn't have to be right. It can also be wrong. And it can change. But somewhere along the way, we've lost the ability to realize that opinion can be wrong. That we can be wrong. That we can change. We can change our minds when we receive more information. But nowadays, we don't want to do that. And people will fight to the bitter end to defend their point, even though they know their point is no good. We have to look at what our, our goals are. What are we trying to accomplish as a denomination, as a church? And are we all on the same page? See, we're supposed to be the body of Christ and we all have different strengths and weaknesses and we're supposed to be able to come together to use our strength to accomplish, to accomplish a common goal. But we think that my strength's better, so this is better, and we have that division among us. Through my experience, I, I've seen that the sign 
that you hang on the outside of the building makes a, a difference to the crowd that you attract. That there is a lot of predetermined ideas about how a church should act based on the sign on the outside. If it says one thing, well, they're going to think this way and they're going to act this way and they're going to do this way and I don't want no part of that. Then again, it's like, oh, well, that's exactly what I'm looking for because that's what that sign says and that's what that sign means. You know, I want something lively and that's, that's the kind of church that I, I think that I would fit in nicely on that. But yet we don't know what's really going on in the core. Sometimes I think it would be better if we dropped all of the denominations and we could just make it all about Jesus instead of about trying to match what it says on the outside. We get so bogged down in the traditions and the history and the groups and the way we've always done it that it seems like that's all we can practice. And when we try to make that move back towards a Jesus-focused church, that we get shot down because that's change. Because that's different. And that's not the way we've always done it. And those are things we don't like. We would rather sacrifice improving to save souls, to have a, a Jesus-focused church, than to keep it comfortable in the way we've always done it. The point is that we have to look at the Word. And we have to simply not want to follow along. And see, the problem is with this modern generation is they don't want to follow along. They want to change something and bunch together, but there's no real purpose behind it. There's no focus. We can change and we can improve and we can find the right paths to go down, but we have to have purpose behind it, and that purpose is the Word of God. And we have to be following the actual Word of God and not a watered down or a changed or a modernized version of it. I seen a thing the other day that was coming out with a version that is general, uh, gender neutral. They're going to change all the pronouns in it. That my friends, is not godly. It is up to us individually to make sure that we are following the true God. I've heard people ask that question. Well, what if you grew up in a house that followed this 
or followed that or did or thought this way or believed this way. And the fact is that you're able to ask that question tells me that you have the mental capabilities to be able to look for yourself. Throughout history, people have broke away from family, from friends, in the pursuit of God because they found out that where they was at, and all it took was a little bit of research and looking into on their own to see that they're in the wrong place, the wrong church, associating with the wrong people. God tells us to make sure that our wagons are evenly hitched. So we need to be looking for people, especially a spouse that believes the same way that you do. I often wonder when people come from two totally different religions, how is that ever going to work? What do you do with your children? How can you be a Christian and have a a non-believer and knowing what the end result is going to be and not want to address that? How can you just let your children choose what they want to do when there are dire consequences to making a wrong choice. God gives us free will. He gives us the ability to think, the ability to read, to be able to hear His Word, to see His Word, to be immersed in it, to be able to communicate with Him. We have every tool we need to make sure that we are following the right people, the right Word, and the right God.